0: بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم لا حول ولا قوه الا بالله العلي العظيم الحمد لله رب العالمين وصلى الله على سيدنا ونبينا عبد القاسم المصطفى محمد وعلى الطيبين الطاهرين لا سيما بقيه الله في الاراضين الله تعالى فرجه الشريف الحمد لله we are again able to continue our reflections on Surat Luqman and today inshallah we are going to study the last two verses of Surat Luqman and that is the verse thirty three and the verse thirty four inshallah So if we manage to finish these two verses, so it means that in the last twenty sessions, including of course this one, we have been covering Able to cover the whole Surah al Alhamdulillah Rabbil Let's start with verse 33. بالله من الشيطان الرجيم. يَا أَيُّهَا النَّاسُ اتَّقُوا رَبَّكُمْ وَخْشَوْ لَا وَالِدٌ عَنْ وَلَدِهِ وَلَا مَوْلُودٌ هُوَ جَازٍ عَنْ وَالِدِهِ إِنَّ وَعْدَ اللَّهِ حَقَّ فَلَا تَغُرَّنَّكُمُ الْحَيَاةُ الدُّنْيَا وَلَا يَغُرَّنَّكُمْ بِاللَّهِ الْغَرُورُ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala addresses all mankind so this is something which is expected from every human being it is not for the believers only Allah doesn't say Ya أَيُّهَا الَّذِينَ آمَنُ He says Ya أَيُّهَا النَّاسِ every human being has the potential to be addressed by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and is expected to observe taqwa so Allah says ya O people, O mankind attaqoo rabbakum have taqwa, have piety fear your Lord of course I am reluctant to use uh, fearing God for taqwa but it is very common in christianity and also in islam in english this has been being used for centuries for taqwa for piety the concept of god fearing has been used so basically the idea is that all people are asked by allah subhanahu wa taala to observe the requirements of taqwa with respect to their lord we should try to please our Lord we should try to do everything that our Lord has asked us to do and we should refrain from everything that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has asked us to refrain from of course we know that this is for our own interest so it's very uh, sad if we displease our Lord by doing something which is against ourselves it's really, you know, unbelievable that we harm ourselves by displeasing Allah. He wants everything which is good for us. So it's ridiculous to displease Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala by harming ourselves. The only problem can be that sometimes we don't know that we are harming ourselves. We think that we are enjoying ourselves. But I think many people even know that they are harming themselves and still they disobey Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So Allah says, Attaku rabbakum. You should have this taqwa and piety. And then, Wakhshaw yawman la yazzi waladun an waladih wa la mawludun huwa jazan an waladihi something which very much helps in having taqwa and remaining muttaqi, remaining pious is to remember the day of judgment the day of resurrection it is not accidental that so much emphasis has been put in the Quran on the eternal life, on the day of judgment, day of resurrection and then heaven and hell, it's all because without remembering our death and the life which starts with our death and continues with the day of judgment and then after that the eternal life, without remembering that life, we would not be able to understand what we should do in this life and also we would not get enough determination to work for our life in this world so this is why we should always remember the day of judgment the day that everyone would see the results of his or her performance in this world one aspect of the day of resurrection is that when everyone is accountable for his or her action no one else can come and help so you have to be answerable you cannot employ a lawyer, an agent to come and speak on your behalf you cannot shift the responsibility to someone else every person has to answer to Allah SWT, and fully accept his or her responsibility so Allah Subhanahu wa ta'ala says means fear yawman, a day in which no parent can suffice his or her child can say I will look after your affairs, don't worry." In Dunya, parents do their best for their children. If they can themselves undertake all the challenges or pain, they are ready to do so, so that the children are at rest and have no problem. But on the Day of Judgment, the parents are not able to do so Of course Many people would be in such a condition that even would not be thinking of their children As we have in the beginning of Surah Nisa That when the resurrection is happening Allah says يَوْمَ kullu amma ardaat." The day that every mother who is fostering a baby, as a small baby, would forget her baby. Although a mother never forgets her child in dystonia, especially a mother who knows that she has a very young baby, which is very vulnerable. So even if it's the during the night, she will immediately wake up and actually jump to go and look after her baby. On the day of resurrection, the mother would forget her child. But even if a mother or father remembers the children, they cannot do anything for them. They have to be themselves and cerebral to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Of course, we have the concept of Shafa'a, intercession which is based in the Quran and Walid Hadith, and that is another issue and inshallah I will mention this shortly. But the general principle is that everyone would be so much busy with his or her own affairs, that would not be thinking of other people and even if he or she thinks about other people would not be able to do anything for them So لا يجزي an عن والده ولا مولود هو جاز عن والده شاية. So neither parents can do anything for their children nor a child can do something for his or her parents so everyone would be responsible for his or her affairs as we have in the quran la taziru wa ziraqra no one can carry the weight of the burden of the actions of anyone else so everyone is responsible if you mm, refer to Munajat Amir Al-Mu'mineen السلام, uh, in the mosque of Kufa you find that Amir Al-Mu'mineen mentions many verses of the Quran about the day of judgment and ask Allah's protection for that day and you see that how difficult is the condition of that day of course Allah's mercy is the governing principle In all universes, in all worlds, in all conditions, and especially on the Day of Resurrection, I think that more than anything else, Allah's mercy would be, insha'Allah, witnessed. And perhaps this is why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in Surah Hamd says, Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim Malik yawm so this Malik Yawmuddin comes immediately after Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim so inshallah his mercy would save us but it still is a fact that everyone has to be answerable and accountable for his or her performance one side or one dimension of Allah's mercy is that he allows some people to intercede for others this is a great sign of mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala he says I know that you are responsible for what you have done but I let someone that you have made, this is very important someone with whom you have made a connection in dunya to intercede for you for example if you have been following a holy personality like the prophets like the imams or even ulama they can do shafa'a for you or Sometimes, very good believers, they can do Shafa'a. Sometimes, maybe a father or a mother can do Shafa'a for their children. It doesn't mean that the child would not be responsible for his action. No. He or she is still responsible. But, because he or she has been listening Obedient, respectful, polite to those personalities in dunya, that would be translated into Shafa'ah on the Day of Judgment. So, Shafa'ah does not happen in vain. I cannot expect Shafa'ah of someone with whom I had no relation. I didn't know such person exists. I didn't uh, listen to that person even if I knew him. Shafai is a sign of connection in dunya, a sign of love, respect, loyalty, obedience in dunya. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allows that love, that loyalty, that obedience to be transferred to the day of judgment and to come and help us and rescue us. This is to encourage people to be more loyal, more obedient, more respectful to holy people and holy personalities, above all the prophets and imams in dunya. So, the main principle is remaining intact that at the end, the only thing that can help us on the day of judgment is our performance in dunya and it is through our performance that we may qualify for certain helps for certain assistance but these are again for those things that we have done when we were alive and na'udhu billah on the other hand also it's possible that for example we suffer on the day of judgment for things that we haven't done them directly but because we have done something in dunya that is connected to that uh, problem we may suffer. For example I am responsible for my own affairs but if I have misguided someone although that person would be responsible and he cannot say Mr. So-and-so has misguided me, so he is responsible, and I am not responsible. No, he himself is responsible. He must have made enough inquiries, he must have made research, he must have uh, first examined my knowledge, my taqwa. So he cannot say, I have listened to so-and-so, and that's why I am misguided. No. But I am also responsible. I cannot say everything to people and misguide them. I have to observe the truth. I have to be committed to the truth. I should only say something for which I have enough expertise. Sometimes even people who have no bad intention misguide people because they speak about something for which they don't have a scholarship. They don't have expertise. They want to help, but they cannot. They may even misguide people. Or there are people even who have uh, wrong and confused ideas or people who have bad intentions. There are many types of people. When it comes to receiving religious knowledge, we have to be extra careful. It's much more important than getting prescription from a doctor without knowing who is that doctor, how qualified he is. Because at the end, if a doctor is not qualified, he would damage our body. But a person who misguides us and misinforms us about our religion damages our spirit and this has eternal impact on our happiness if someone damages my body and even if that is not recoverable still it's not affecting my happiness I can still be a pious person and I can have my eternal life in heaven inshallah But if someone misguides me, even if my body is, you know, very healthy and fit, I have damaged my eternal happiness. So, we have to be very careful about the way we pass on knowledge and information to others, especially about uh, religious issues. So in any case, people who have been guiding or misguiding other people would benefit from this without reducing the responsibility of those who have received this knowledge from them. So everyone is responsible for his for her performance, although other people also may have responsibilities because they were somehow also involved. Then Allah Subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Truly, the promise of God is true. How great is this sentence? And how obvious is this sentence? Inna وَعْدَ Whose promise can be true other than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? The one who is himself haqq, The one who knows what he is promising and he has all the means and power and reasons to keep his promise. He was not forced to make a promise. Sometimes you are forced to make a promise and therefore you may not be willing to keep your promise. You are just forced. Or you know, you were under some social or family pressure so you promised something. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is under no pressure and He doesn't owe anyone and He's not going to be losing anything if He doesn't give us the promise. So all His promises are out of His love for us. And at the end, he can keep all his promises because he's not going to lose anything, he's not going to become bankrupt, he's not going to suffer, he's not going to trouble himself. So, it's so obvious. But unfortunately, we sometimes instead of going after Allah's promises which are based on truth, absolute truth, We go after promises of shaitan which are based on absolute falsehood or promises of people that are very weak, they have nothing to offer, even if they are sincere, at the end they cannot make sure that they can deliver what they have promised or undertaken. Of course, those who are pious people, they know their limits. They don't promise in vain. They first make sure that what they promise they can, you know, carry out, and then they do the best to keep the promise. Because one of the signs of muttaqi is to keep his or her promise. But many people who pro- give promises, they just, you know, want to temporarily, you, you know, temporarily please you. They say something to make you happy. So. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says something that we have to remember to understand our right position in this world is Allah's promise is true. When he says if you do these things you will have your reward and you will have happy life in dunya and akhirah, we must be 100% sure. فلا تغرّنكم الحياة الدنيا ولا يغرّنكم بالله الغرور. So, do not let the worldly life deceive you. We have غرور and we have غرور. غرور means deception. Garra, Yagurro is the word. Garra means deceived. Yagurro means deceived. Gurur means to deceive. Gharur is Sigat Mubalagha, means someone or something which deceives a lot, often deceives. It is used for shaitan, for Iblis, because shaitan has this job. This is the job of shaitan to deceive us. But it's not exclusive to Shaitan. Many other things can be gharur, can be very deceiving, very much deceiving us. Like bad friends, like money, like position, like fame, sometimes family members. So many things can be gharur, but above all, Shaitan. So some people have said this is Shaitan, but Shaitan can be the most obvious case for gharur. So, gharur means the one or something which deceives a lot. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Do not let the worldly life, hayatul dunya, the lowest life, the worldly life, to deceive you. And do not let those who deceive a lot, those who often deceive, deceive you. Do not let them to be successful in deceiving you. You must concentrate on Allah's promises and do not let anyone else to misguide you. So if we remember the day of judgment and our responsibility and accountability on the day of judgment and we take Allah's words with 100% of confidence and certainty we would be able to resist against the temptations which come from dunya and from iblis and from bad people and then allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says inna al so this is the last verse and if uh, the slide is for the last verse. You can look at the slide as well. In Allah, in the whole Mussa, why you nazzle all gayth? Why are the Mumafil Arhan? Wama tadri nafsun mada texibuadan? Wama tadri nafsun beyarbun tamut? In Allah, khabir this is the last verse of Surah Luqman Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala says, truly the knowledge about the day of resurrection is exclusive to Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala He has this knowledge it is only Allah who knows when the resurrection is going to happen we don't know sometimes we think about our death. I'm saying sometimes because many times, you know, we are not thinking about that, unfortunately. But sometimes we think about our death and we say, okay, it's likely to happen anytime. But we have to also think about the day of resurrection, that the day of resurrection is also something that may happen anytime. We shouldn't think that it's always, you know, after thousands of years. Maybe it's soon. Who knows, maybe we are the last generation. And even there is hadith that, for example, even if one day is left from this dunya, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala would make the affairs ready for Imam Zaman to come. And Allah will make that day, you know, longer, so that Imam comes. So you shouldn't expect many years to remain and say, okay, so because Imam Zaman has not yet come, so it would take, you know, many years for him to come, and then he would be there for many years. So it's very much, you know, left uh, from the the life of this world. No, who, who knows? Maybe it's not that much left. Maybe we are the last generation. We don't know. So about our life in this dunya as an as a person, as an individual or as a generation, we have no guarantee. so the life that we have, we have to use it in the best way. Of course, we shouldn't become careless about future of this dunya future of this you know planet by saying that maybe we are the last generation, so we don't look after the environment or, you know, other things. No. Islam gives us very clear guidance here. As we have in hadith from Imam Hassan alayhi salam and Imam Ali salam. when it comes to dunya, you have to work as if the dunya is going to remain forever for you. You are going to be here permanently. dunya when it, and it, when it comes to Akhira, Think that maybe this is the last day. So this is the mentality of a believer. A believer works for his Akhira as if this is the last day of his life. Who knows, maybe it's really my last day. But when it comes to dunya, I should plan so well, I should work so hard that... Even if I'm going to live in this dunya permanently, either myself or my children or you know, my fellow human beings, they would have no problem. We shouldn't make plans only for a few weeks or few years. Sometimes we have to make plans for the future of ourselves or future of our community and maybe this plan would bear fruits after years. We shouldn't only go for you know quick and fix and quick solutions and short-term plans one of the bad things that happen, you know, to some of us, and I am myself one of them is that we want to do something that we see the results and the fruits in our own life Who am I and what is my significance? Why should I see the fruits myself? I have to do something that is pleasing Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala. even if I cannot see the fruits, I should see the plants so that, inshallah maybe after generations, it starts bearing fruits. This is the only way for our community to make progress. It's not always, you know, possible to suffer, you know, to survive with short-term plans. Something that can be done in a few years. Sometimes one generation is given tawfiq by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to... Plan something for the old generations to come. Maybe we can set things and grounds ready for big projects, and we are not able to finish it ourselves, or we are not able to, for example, see ourselves the results. But we have done it so nicely with so much wise and careful planning that inshallah, after several generations, it starts bearing fruits. Especially when it comes to education, when it comes to religious guidance, when it comes to doing something for the community, we should have this long vision and this farsightedness. In any case, we don't know about the day of resurrection. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows when it is and how is it going to happen. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the one Who sends the rain. Although here Allah doesn't mention that he is the one who knows when the rain is coming. But it seems that this is also related to Allah's knowledge of when and how he sends the rain. As we have in some hadith. That the knowledge of these five things which are mentioned in this ayah are with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala the knowledge about the day of resurrection, the knowledge about rain the knowledge about the baby which is not yet born the knowledge about what we are going to do tomorrow and where we are going to die these are the things which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows and we either don't know at all or we have very limited knowledge and this is something that I hope I can explain Uh, because the time is very short so I will be very quick and fast and I'm sorry for that so Allah is the one who sends the rain one of the things that we need for our life in this dunya is rain rain is coming in this dunya and without having rain we cannot have life at all or we would have very miserable life And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has planned everything in the natural world in the way that we would have enough rain. If we don't damage environment, if we don't manipulate it, it would bring enough rain. But unfortunately, because of our mismanagement, because of corruption, because of mischief, sometimes we don't have enough rain and sometimes we may have, you know, extra in some places. This is caused by many problems that are human but allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made it in the way that we receive enough rain whenever we need and no one knows when is the rain coming and how how many drops who is going to receive how is it coming how long is going to continue it's something very complicated we may be able to predict part of this. But first of all these are predictions which are not always accurate and even these predictions are very limited. You cannot know, for example, how many people, how many animals, how many insects are going to receive water from the rain. These are the things that Allah Subhanahu So when Allah ta'ala does something he knows everything about it. When we know, when we do something, we don't know everything about what we do. Let alone about the things that the nature does. Even if I am speaking to you at the moment, I have some knowledge about what I am saying. And about who is listening to me. But I don't know everyone who is listening to me. I don't know the impact of them. I don't know how they are going to react, how they are going to benefit. I don't know. So even about my own action, there are many things that I don't know maybe I am you know committing some mistakes maybe I could have used better words maybe I could have said more more important ideas so there are many things that I don't know about my own actions let alone about actions of other people or environment so our knowledge is very limited and Allah says He is the one who knows the day of resurrection He is the one who knows when and how the rain comes and he is the one who knows what is in the womb of the mothers. It's not just a matter of whether it's a boy or a girl. No, it's much more than that. As we have a hadith, Imam Ali Salam says, Allah knows that the baby which is not born is going to be Mu'min or Kafir, is going to be a follower of the holy and you know very good personalities or not we don't know the future and we have to wait and see what is going to happen because we are not uh, you know knowledgeable about the future and although this person is going to do these things voluntarily, he is free or she is free but still Allah knows in advance what is going to be decided by that person because for Allah, past, present, future is the same so he knows everything about the baby who is not yet born let alone have developed his or her own personality. Allah knows everything about that person. And we don't know anything. Sometimes we don't know even the uh, small fact like being a girl or a boy. Sometimes we may know this, but there are many many things we don't know. Allah knows about every genes in the body of that person. And this is still about his body. Let alone his spirit. Let alone about his future. What this person is going to do. What is going to happen to this person. Many, many things that we don't know. So, this is one aspect of Allah's knowledge that we have to remember. And this helps us to also understand our limited knowledge. Wama تَدْرِي نَبْسٌ مَاذَا and no soul, no person knows what is he going to achieve tomorrow, what is he going to do tomorrow, what is he going to obtain tomorrow? So taxable item is to do or mean to gain. So I don't know about my future. Even I don't know about my present, you know, very well. Yes, I know what I'm doing right now, but to very limited knowledge, but when it comes to tomorrow I don't know. Maybe tomorrow I'm not alive. Maybe tomorrow, for example, I want to do something, then my plans are cancelled. I don't know. And no one knows in which land he is going to die. Am I going to die in my own home, in my own town, or I'm going to die you know, when I am traveling? I don't know. Innallaha alimun Truly Allah is knowledgeable and informed. He has encompassing knowledge and He knows all the details. So something to remember from Surah Luqman is that we are going to be resurrected and we have to be answerable to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We should not let the worldly life deceive us we should not go after false promises of Satan or satanic people and we should remember that our knowledge is very limited it's Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who has all the knowledge so the best thing for us is to follow Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's commands and protect ourselves by following Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's commands so This is a very brief explanation of the important ideas in this uh, ending of Surat Luqman. According to (coughs) the books of Tafsir, uh, there is a hadith from uh, the Prophet Muhammad which is narrated by Suyuti in Durr al-Mansur al mansur is a book of tafsir based on hadith, but of course it's uh, mostly hadith uh, from Sunni sources. Some of them we find in our own sources as well. But this particular story, which is you know, something that makes sense, I wanted to share with you, and it is uh, mentioned by Ayatollah Makaram Shirazi in Tafsir namune. Uh, but he cites from Durul Mansur by Suyuti. A person whose name was Warraf or Warraf from Bani Mazen tribe went to the Prophet and said, Oh Muhammad, when the day of resurrection is going to happen? So this was his first question. Then he says, we have shortage of water. When the blessings and bounties are going to be increased so this was his second question so basically he was asking about water, about rain he said when I was coming my wife was pregnant and when she is going to deliver the baby so has she delivered already or when is she going to deliver he also asked I know what I have done today what am i going to do tomorrow and then finally, he said, "I know my birthplace, but where is my death place?" So uh, he asked these questions, and the Prophet Wasallam said, "Allah subhanahu wa taala knows all these uh, answers." So then. Uh, you know, the uh, Suyuti says that when that person asked, this ayah was revealed from Surah Lokman, and the Prophet said uh, basically by reciting these ayahs that Allah knows these things. Ina Allah indahu ilmu sa'a wa yunazilul ghayth wa ya'lamu ma fil Arham, wa ma tadri nafsun maada taksib wada wa ma tadri nafsun biha yardun tamut inna Allah alimun so this is mentioned in Tafsir namunah and also in Tafsir al-Mizan also sul al but both cite this from Durrul uh, Mansur of Suyuti and this makes sense and as you know and we have been saying many times uh, when there was a case, there was an incident after which one verse was revealed this doesn't mean that the verse is limited to that those incidents are important but they don't limit the verse they were just like some kind of uh, reason to initiate something to come from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as a guidance Uh, there is a hadith which says that when Imam Ali alayhi salam was informing about some of the future events, this is in Nahj balada. one of the people who was there asked uh, Imam Ali alayhi salam, are you talking about ghayb, about the hidden things? Are you uh, able to have information about hidden things? And Imam Ali alayhi salam said, Ya Akha Kalm, laysa huwa bi'ilm ghayb, innama huwa ta'allumun man di'ilm. He said, this is not ilm ghayb, this is not something hidden. This is something that has come from the source of knowledge. The knowledge which is really hidden is el-mussa' al al is something which no one knows other than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then Imam said, Allah inna Allah Then Imam recited this last verse of Surah Luqma and said these are the things that Allah knows for example, this is very important Imam said Allah knows what is in the womb of a mother male or female it's beautiful or not good character or not this person is generous or miserly, fortunate or misfortunate, is going to be put in hell or is going to be in heaven, a companion of the Prophets. These are the things that Imam said, This is something that only Allah knows. But anything from that is something that Human beings also may be known, uh, sorry, may be taught and therefore may be known to them through some ways of communicating um, knowledge from Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta-A'la. Anything other than those which are exclusive to Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta-A'la. Like the things that I have been informing you. Are something that Allah has taught to his Prophet. And then the Prophet told them to me. And the Prophet prayed for me. The Prophet prayed for me. So that my breast can contain this knowledge. Because it needs capacity. It needs great capacity to know all these things. So there are things that people can know through normal ways of learning there are things that people can know through spiritual ways of learning and there are things that only Allah Subhanahu wa ta'ala knows no one is taught about those secrets so el al ghayb which is exclusive to Allah Subhanahu wa ta'ala, is not taught to anyone else but there are things which are for us normal people, ghaib, because we don't have access to them, but they are available to the Prophets and holy people. And this is why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, La yuzhiru ala ahada illa man irtaba. So, part of His knowledge of the hidden things can be made available to the people with whom Allah is pleased okay I should stop here our time is getting you know uh, over so I hope that inshallah what we have said during these lectures were inshallah useful and you found them uh, relevant to your life because the way that we can be sure that we understand the Qur'an properly is when we can find that the Qur'an is relevant to our life. If I read or understand the Qur'an in the way that I don't find it's relevant to my life, I don't find that Qur'an is offering me something for my life, it means that I am misguided, I'm confused, I'm not really making connection with the Qur'an. The person who finds in the Qur'anic verses clear relevance to his or her daily life this is the person who can be uh, hopeful that he is getting it right he is approaching the quran from the right direction so i hope what we have said uh, in these uh, sessions what was useful for you and you found them relevant inshallah to your daily life uh, since this is our last session of surah Luqman so, I want to uh, request you to, inshallah, pray that first we can, inshallah, continue this. And second, to send us your comments. <clears throat> please uh, send us your comments about these sessions. The way that you think that we can improve. If there were any shortcomings, any problems, you know, please share with us. If there are things that are positive and they should be strengthened or, you know, made more, please let us know about which surah you think would be best to start uh, after surah Luqman. Please give us your comment. About timing and about the day after week also, please send us your comment. Is Tuesday okay for you? Is the time okay for you? And because... These are the things that we can decide inshallah before we start the next inshallah surah. Of course, we hope that it would not be that long, and we hope to start it soon, maybe inshallah uh, after two weeks, we you know we can have our next uh, session. but before getting your comments, we don't feel confident to make decision. so please send all your comments about this and as soon as possible so that we can make all the plannings you know accordingly. We have also some questions, so I will try to address. We have some questions from previous sessions. One was, you said sabbar means most patience, and in the ziyara we said assalamu alaykum asfar as as-sabirin So what does it mean? Is it sighat mubalagha or different? Sabbar is sighat mubalagha means the one who is very patient. Asbar is for comparison. Asbar means more patient than someone else and asbaros sabarin means the most patient so it's a matter of uh, comparison when we say sabbar means the one who is very patient it doesn't mean that this is the most patient it is that the one who is very patient the one who has plenty of patience but. Asbar means more patient or most, the most patient. Like for example, when we say al asbar or asbar osab, means the most patient. So it's a matter of comparison, it's superlative. But when we say siqat Mubalaga it's a matter of quantity, a matter of frequently doing something. So sometimes they can come together. So a person may be both. Sabbar and Asbar. But sometimes maybe a person is Asbar, but just as a comparison between two people. For example, there are two people, one of them is more patient than the other one, but none of them is really very patient. So this is uh, the way we distinguish between Sikhat Mubalaka and Sikhat Tafzil. Sikhat Tafzil is like Asbar, and Sabbar is siqat Mubalaka. And about the difficulties that ahlul bayt went through, of course, uh, Ahlul Bait, alayhi wasalam went through many difficulties. Indeed, their difficulties were more than anyone else. And the Prophet himself had the greatest suffering, as he said, "Ma uziya. No Prophet was annoyed like me. Because the people who are closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the people who have greater aims and ideals the people who feel more responsible these are the people who suffer a lot so it's not uh, you know something which is a sign of being bad if you suffer sometimes you suffer as a punishment or as as an outcome of not being planning well or working hard or being lazy but When it comes to good people, they suffer not because of these things. They suffer because they are great. They suffer because they want to change this world. And therefore, they would face resistance from Iblis and from bad people. So, this is the reason for suffering of good people. How can we achieve real sabr with khulus? Yeah to be able to achieve sabr or patience I think we need to understand our position in this dunya we should understand that this is a transient world and this is impossible to be free from problems no one should expect to have a life free from problems problems can be different types but therefore uh, we must not expect you no know, one particular problem so, ok, I, alhamdulillah I secured myself against this problem so I'm happy no, problems are very various, sometimes you cannot even imagine what problem is going to happen to you, you have to be prepared for any different types of you know, problems to happen and don't lose your patience don't lose your uh, persistence don't think that Allah has forgotten you or Allah has abandoned you as long as you are doing things properly, as long as you are observing the requirements of Taqwa, don't worry if you have problems. Maybe you have problems because you are a very special person. Maybe you have problems because Allah has great plans for you. Maybe you are, you are facing problems because Shaitan finds that you are a person who is close to Allah, so wants to distract you. So, we have to be patient and ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for help and guidance. About the importance of homes. Yeah, homes is one of the uh, obligations which I think is very much disliked by shaitan. I think one of the things that shaitan very much stops people from paying attention to is homes. And perhaps the reason is homes is something which is used for. Protection of Islamic knowledge, centers of learning, centers of uh, teaching for tabliq, for hawzas, and also is for the progeny of the Prophet. So half of it is Sahm Imam, which is used by Marajah to do something that they are sure that Imam Zaman is happy with and they all know that one of the most important things is to make sure that the teachings of Ahlul Bayt are passed on generation by generation to qualified scholars and the other half is spent on Sadat, the progeny of the Prophet Shaitan is very sad to see that people pay with good intention to seek proximity to Allah, their money and this money is spent on protection of the progeny of the Prophet and on protection of the teachings of Ahlul Bayt so shaitan wants to stop people from paying homes. and sometimes you find it so painful you know, for people to pay homes they think this is my money why I should pay 20% of my for example extra income or other you know items but this is not our money even those eighty percent that remain with us, it's not our money, it's all the money which is belonging to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and Allah has gifted us by saying that I accept this twenty percent from you as a religious obligation otherwise all hundred percent is for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so when Allah says, qardan who is going to lend me money? We are not really lending him money; it's his own money. But he's now so kind; he said that lend me your money. So, khums is very important. Unfortunately, it's sometimes very difficult for us to pay khums. and most unfortunate, you know, is that. There are people who are misguided, who are confused, who don't have knowledge, and therefore they do lots of uh, propaganda against homes. And these are sometimes people who may not have bad intention, maybe good people, but because they don't understand or because they are affected by non-Shia, they talk against homes. So we should try to pay homes and also spread. The words of Ahlul Bayt about homes and encourage people to pay homes as a counter, you know, uh, policy against Shaytan. And there are some good materials on homes. Uh, you can, you know, read those materials on homes. In the message of Thaqalain, in the last three issues, we have published three papers on homes by Ayatollah Makarim Shirazi, so if you go to www.meshjabthaghalin.com you will find those papers there inshallah two of them are already uploaded and the next one will be uploaded soon inshallah the other question is was Khilafat Rashida Walid we don't have this concept of Khilafat Rashida as something which is uh, fixed to certain people in the Quran or Hadith Uh, we have this concept uh, fixed to the first, uh, sorry, to the first four caliphs uh, in the language of Muslims. So the first four caliphs are called al khulafa or Rashadun. We can have the concept of khulafa Rashadun in general, but not fixed to any number of people in the Quran or Hadith which are reliable for us. Basically, the idea is that Muslim scholars, reflecting on the caliphs of the Prophet, they found that uh, they cannot approve and endorse all the caliphs. So they decided to say the forced were very much, you know, different from the rest. And some people, of course, after that they continue up to twelve caliphs, but then they have the problem that some of them have to be. Put aside because when it comes to some of the pommades, you know, they cannot uh, include them. But they have this hadith in major sources that the prophet said after me there would be twelve caliphs or twelve amirs or twelve you know wazir, and as long as they are there, Islamic affairs will be all right. But after that, it will be kingdom. So they are really uh, struggling to find who are those twelve because they cannot uh, find those twelve. You know. In the same line. But basically, the first four are more singled out and emphasized on. And when we compare uh, the situation of the successorship to the Prophet, we find that the first four caliphs, uh, relatively speaking, are better than Umayyads. Or Abbasid, relatively, but this doesn't mean that every person among the first four caliphs is equal to to the other or all the four. We you know were doing things properly. So we have among them Imam Ali Salaam, which is the one that is the role model and accepted by all Muslims, and no one can question any of his action. When we have other caliphs, so. Basically, this is very, uh, you know, sophisticated issue, and I don't want to comment in a very uh, in a very detailed way about this. In order for someone to interact for us, do you have to personally know this person? Sorry, intercede for us? Do you have to personally know this person? Is this the case? We are at the disadvantage of not living during the time of the Holy Prophet. Yeah. You need to and know that person at least in the sense that you should have a kind of connection with that person but you don't need to leave it the time of that person so the Prophet can do shafa for us even if we have not lived at his time but still we follow him, still we love him indeed the person who has not seen the Prophet and still follows the Prophet is much more appreciated if everything is equal this person is much more appreciated than the person who was living in the time of the Prophet and was able to see the Prophet. As the Prophet himself said, that my brothers are those who believe in me without seeing me. And these are different from my companions. So, you don't need to be in that time, but you you need to have connection. You need to follow that person. You need to resemble that person. You need to have something which shows that there is a, you know, kind of Uh, similarity between your life and that person's life between your ideals and that person's ideals Uh, I have the next question, I have difficulty to accept that holy people can intercede on the day of judgment, it seems contradictory to what the surah says I think this concept of intercession encourages hero worship like many shias are practicing and I am Is harmful to the community and the individual. Please clarify. Thank you for your lectures. You are most welcome. Thank you for your question. Yeah. You know, sometimes the idea of Shafan may be misunderstood. And this is where, you know, we have the problem that you mentioned that some people, you know, may just worship, you know, like heroes. But I think the way I explained should make it clear that shafa is not worshiping anyone and shafa is not to expect miracles shafa is very rational shafa is something that we have it even in dunya if i am a good student who appreciates what my teacher offers if i need at a certain time extra help my teacher would not hesitate if among your children you have a child who is very much thankful, very much appreciative very much polite so would you not try to help him when he is really not able to do something? Yes, if there is a child who is always lazy, who is always troublemaker, who doesn't do anything and says, you know, help me because he doesn't want to take responsibility, he doesn't want to do anything you would be reluctant you say oh i am spoiling that child but if the, is the one that who never you know is uh, lazy and is doing his best or her best but at the end there may be something that he cannot cope with so you would rush to help him shafa'ah is something which is based on many quranic verses and many many hadith and very rational if it is understood properly, we realize that it's very easy to accept that. If, in dunya, we honestly and sincerely follow the path of those that Allah has bestowed His favors upon them, الَّذِينَ and عَلَيْهِمْ If we follow the path, then on the day of judgment we would be able to benefit from this commitment to follow the path in dunya, when you travel as a group and you follow the leader of the group, for example you go to Hajj or any trip if you get lost they come and help you they know that you are not a mischief maker, you know, they know that you are a person who wanted to be with them but for some reason you were not able you know to be with them you get lost or for example you have become tired so they slow down so that you can be with them if you have illness they come and help you is this not something rational is not this something that we expect good people to do for us in our group is this not something that you expect from a good leader of course these are the things that we expect so on the day of judgment is the same because on the day of judgment People would be resurrected as communities. So, people who are resurrected as a community of the faithful and they are behind their leader, so the leader would not forget them. In dunya, so much emphasis on looking after your community and congregation. Imam, for example, after prayer must adjust his speed according to the most vulnerable, the weakest of his congregation, member of congregation. So, is it possible that in Akhirah they forget them? But this is for the people who manage to be with them in Akhirah. And if you look at the paper or lecture on collective nature of Wilayah, I have explained there that how we are resurrected as a community and how this community life can help us in the hereafter. Thank you again for your good question and the last question is I was not able to watch all the talks on Surah Luqman can you briefly outline the main points of the surah. <clears throat> so uh, inshallah you can uh have uh, access to all the lectures because these are all, alhamdulillah, now they are on the website so you can listen to them but uh, it's very difficult for me to summarize all the points and we are already uh, after the normal limit time that we have so please forgive me if I am not able to uh, mention all the things that we have mentioned But basically the whole idea of Surat Luqman is To perhaps, if I want to summarize, I can say, is to learn that how much Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is appreciative of servants of him that have tried to be good. That he dedicates the whole chapter of Quran to one person like Luqman, who was not a prophet but this person it was a person who had good heart a person who was taking advice seriously and allah gifted him with the blessing of hikmah so it is something open to us something that we can learn from surah luqman is that we also can be a person like luqman we are not different in nature, we have all human nature, we all have this capacity especially we have the teachings of Ahlul Bayt, Luqman lived in the time that he didn't have Quran, he didn't have Hadith of the Prophet and Ahlul Bayt why we cannot become a person like Luqman why we cannot expect to have wisdom by taking what Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala says seriously by trying to be muttaqi and pious, by trying to be mindful of the day of judgment by trying to be extra alert so that Satan would not misguide us by being kind to our parents, by being thankful, by being always reflecting and thinking and contemplating on Allah's signs in his creation, by avoiding useless words and especially haram words so we can achieve many many things and not to forget how important is the prayer and giving alms as two principal acts of Islam and when I say alms it's not zakat only in the legal sense it means all kind of charity it can be zakat, it can be khums, it can be mustahab sadaqah. It can be anything that you do for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala by giving out some of your possession. Thank you very much for all your attention, comments, support, your du'as. And please pray for uh, also Brother Hussain and his team who have been uh, very kindly and efficiently facilitating all these sessions and may Allah inshallah reward them. May Allah inshallah reward you and may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make you able to make companionship with the Qur'an and be always with the Qur'an in dunya and akhirah. Wa and